Welcome to For the Water Cooler, the podcast where you get to talk about what you watched last night with your favorite coworkers. I did it backwards from how I normally do it. I'm Matt Scalisi, and joining me is my co-host and good friend, Caroline Darney. Uh, Caroline, you're, it's a big day for you. Uh, and really for all of womankind, I guess, because yeah, a bunch uh, of people probably we were just talking about before, before we came on the air that uh, just literally moments before we started recording the, uh, the, the men's health magazine cover of Glenn Powell was released and you're unwell. I think it's safe to say. You've got to give people advance warning like everyone like look. <laughs> He's just, he is objectively a, a handsome man. Like, I think we can all agree. Sure. I, t- I don't dispute that at all. <laughs> and so it's just like, hey, here's a Tuesday at noon. Um, and you've got, we got full buns in this spread. It's really, uh, it's really something. Uh, my, our, our, our coworker and former guest on the show, Mary Clark, said, I've never seen Caroline this down bad before. <laughs> I respect his craft. His, cr- his craft six. Please say that word louder, just so I make sure I heard you. <laughs> Respect his craft. He's good at what he does. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, just, it's I, just all like, I heard. I heard the short A. I just wanted to make sure I got the rest of it. <laughs> I joke. I joke that yeah, you know, but it's been really cool as someone that really, really enjoyed set it up when it came out. Um, and I need him. I think him and Zoe Deutsch just talked about doing another movie together because they just are so great on screen together. But um, they're both very. They're both very. Um, they're both very good-looking people, but very funny. Like that's timing. And, yeah, is- but that's you know, we we've we've talked a little bit about the the rom-com, you know, uh, dark era that we're having, and I think some of it just comes from like there are eras where different kinds of people become movie stars, and I think yeah. we, for a while we've been in an era where it wasn't we we weren't emphasizing people's like romantic appeal. I mean, and it's, and I don't just mean like sex appeal. It, there's something no, more to it. It's like, yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. charisma of like, uh-huh. they the have, riz, if you will, do the, they have the riz? riz. Yes. We, we have not been prioritizing riz uh, <laughs> in, in, in the sort of star system that we've been at for a while. And I, I would have to talk to like a social scientist to figure out why <laughs> that is. But I do think that like Glenn Powell has some of that, I think Zoe Zoe Deutsch has a lot of it because she's yeah. she can play she can play charismatic in a strange way in like an in like an old school Meg Ryan sort of way. Yeah, so she's also somehow very relatable, and I think that part of it right. is in set it up. It's like, oh, she wants to be a sports writer. Whatever could I uh, like relate to in that? Like, <laughs> it's just such a like. <laughs> fun she's great she keeps your attention she her timing is outstanding um i think we've talked about lewis pullman following his dad oh my gosh well i i, I have to say i am a few episodes i haven't had a chance to like weep you're behind over lessons in chemistry for like, i think i'm one or two behind because I, I was out of town this weekend i went to the comedy fest up in new york so i am uh socially expended like <laughs> i talked to people for like three days so i'm like well that's too much i gotta go to sleep now <laughs> Uh, but it was, uh, but yeah, so he, he's fantastic. Um, I just, yeah, I think that there's some, that's, but that's, I mean, that's the perfect, that's a great example of what I'm talking about here, because as, as we talked about when we've discussed lessons in chemistry, Lewis Pullman does a thing in the show and, and it's like, they've referenced it in the show, but it's basically 
if you can do a little thing where you make where you make a girl who already kind of has a crush on you laugh because you're doing a stupid thing, that's that is that is the ultimate Riz move. I'm grinning, I'm grinning right now. I even see. I mean, like he does the he does a dumb little dance, and we, if you if you can if you are that guy, right? If you're not, let's say you're not Glenn Powell. You don't have <laughs> you don't have a 72 pack on your midsection. The move oh, is. Fit. Yeah, the move is you have to be good at doing a little dance, and Lewis <laughs> Lewis Pullman has it. Yes. Well, also, I it, funny enough, not to bring the buns back, but that's now two uh, Top Gun Maverick uh, actors that have that's uh, right shown the buns in in the last like <laughs> month. So you know, so so the sun is shining. Tom Cruise, we're we're waiting. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, this is this has gotten out of hand very quickly. Where our our plan for today? Yes, uh, because this is actually the first time in this podcast's young existence mm. that we have been around for the release of a Marvel movie. And my gosh, a, a very consequential one in a lot of ways, both yeah. on and off screen. And we'll get into all of that. We're going to talk about the Marvels in the second half of the show with our uh, with our coworker Corey, who is, I would say, a notable MCU hater, and I don't think he would dispute that. So yeah. it's it's we're going to have the full perspective on here. Not ignorant to the MCU, he watches these movies and he's aware of them. He just, uh, I would say, I would say Corey is on the opposite end of the spectrum from Caroline, and I'm probably yeah. somewhere in the middle. Um, I, I I have loved them and have have been disappointed of late, but I, and I don't want to give away what I'm what, what what my thoughts are, but definitely I'll say it's been a week that Marvel exceeded my expectations because mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna start the show today talking about the other big thing that happened for Marvel, which is the season finale of Loki, um, and. You know, we've talked about it on this show a little bit. I was skeptical. I was having a hard time buying into season two of this show. I liked the craft of it. There's no question it's really well made. It's great to look at. The actors are all likable. But the story really was starting to lose me. And the finale of this show is one of the coolest things that I think Marvel has done in a very long time. Yeah, I, it was I disagree in the sense of I never lost any interest in it. I think the season has kept me the entire time because there's also a piece of a lot of people said like, oh, there's too much tech talk, like too much. And it's um, I kind of looked at it the way I approached um, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Amongst Thieves, which if you haven't seen, please. It's great. Talk. It's really it's fun. Yeah, I am not. A Dungeons and Dragons person, I know li- literally nothing about it, not a single thing. And so when I went to the movie, I was kind of like, "Let's see how this goes." Um, and really, I look at it the same way, like, because what, what Loki and Ob and Victor Timely or whatever were all saying didn't really matter. No, it's it's that didn't matter. It's absurd on its face. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you get the idea of what they're talking about, where it's like, if we don't do this thing this bad thing will happen. I don't need the extra stuff. I love that's my, but I also love the way that they did all the conversations. And I think, and I, I talked to one of my friends this past weekend and 
And I agree with her in the sense that she would have liked to see more of like, um, what do they call it? Uh, the TVA, uh, the woman who was, the, she was fantastic. Not Renslayer. Ren, Renslayer. No, the, no, no, oh, you're just, talking uh, about the, the guard who yeah, has 15. like a, a number, right? Like something, something 15. She was yeah. great. Uh, Casey, you know, it's one of those, like, I do think the first season had more like character development. Like they're, that they're two very, very different seasons of TV yeah. and season, season one is very interesting because it's very much about the idea of exploring variants and, uh, and in that way, it, it is more character focused and it's about all of these other characters because it's about how much variation you can have on a character who has a very basic premise. And that's the whole point of Loki and Sylvie being two different people. And I think, I think there's the difference between season one and season two is both why it was harder for me to get into and why I ended up liking it even more than season one in the end, because it, it really season two is purely about Loki. That's it. It's only about this one character. And on the one hand, that does make all of these other characters that they've put in the show kind of dispensable and not very central to the story. They're, they have to be there and I understand why they're there, but they are sort of very peripheral to what's going on. But what they end up doing with Loki, I think is so smart and cool. And one of the most character focused things that Marvel has done in a really long time. And I, and we were just talking before um, with producer Chandler about uh, Dr. Strange before we came on the air, which is the only MCU movie that he's seen, which I, which I think is cool. I love that. I just was like, wow. But, okay. but like you go back to that, right. When in, yeah. in phase two or three, yeah. when a lot of these movies were actually very character focused and the, the, mm-hmm. the movies, when people were falling in love with the MCU were about drawing these characters really well and making them people that you liked spending time with. They haven't done as good a job of that, I think, in in the post-Endgame era, but they really do it with this show. And the finale, I think, is so cool because it, it really leans into what can you do with this character that you can't do with anybody else? Okay, so he lives forever. He uh, <laughs> he actually is motivated by wanting to matter. He wants to be, he wants to have a purpose and he doesn't know what it is. He feels extraneous. So taking those two ideas and uh, I mean, I don't know how spoilery we should get, but I would just say without getting into explaining it, like you haven't seen it, just be careful. Just They they took those two aspects of, of really what makes this version of Loki and all the previous ones too, who they are. Yeah. And they built a resolution to the story completely around those things. And it, and it doesn't, if you try to explain in a plot way, like, why does this matter? What is it going to mean to the future? I don't know that it makes any sense or that you should care about it, but what it does is it is a resolution for the character. And it's, he's it, not, he's definitely not done. It's a piece, I, I think you could see him come back for sure. But I, but even if he doesn't, what if they made still a perfect art. What they made was a piece of of really cool visual art that makes yeah. sense for the character. 
Well, and this is a guy that when we first see Loki is, you know, the bad guy in Thor. And then he's bringing the Chitauri army down and working with Thanos and like lots of murders, killing lots of people just in this. And and you're kind of like, okay. And we've seen over time that it's the anti-hero part of him that, but there's an argument now, I think for him being the most compelling or best character. in I've always, I've always felt that way. It's also an argument for Tom Hiddleston being the best actor in them. He is flawless. And you know what else I realized that why I really enjoyed this finale is it has shades of uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Like, oh, definitely. And I mean, in general, fixing your, like, make sure you latch his helmet. And he's like, I'll say the thing that I thought of was Groundhog Day, which I think we also talked about with Edge of Tomorrow. But yes. The, the salute, I mean, and this is a, a small spoiler that I'll throw in here. There is a gag they do in this show where he basically asks, um, he asks the, uh, the, the OB character, how long would it take me to learn everything you know? And he says, like, what does he say? He says, he says like, hundreds, hundreds of years. Yeah, he take- says decades and Victor Timely says centuries. Yeah. And, and we get a title, a title card cut that says centuries it. later. Yeah. And he comes back. It's such a fun, cool thing to do. Yeah. It's a hundred percent what you should be doing if you are making comic book adaptations yeah. for TV and movies. This should not, this should not be boring it should not feel like a run-of-the-mill movie that could be cranked out on netflix any day of the week this should this should be weird it should be uh rule defying and especially the ending of this i think felt extremely comic booky to me that that image it was extraordinarily satisfying there's the idea of again this could be very spoilery so heads up um the idea of someone that was so afraid of being alone and so afraid of losing all of his friends, yes. everyone that he cared about, making the decision to spend all of his time from there on out forever alone to keep them alive. Because and that's, that's real- very mythological, you know, oh, that's, that's yeah. very like, uh, like ancient myth stuff. Yes. Yeah. It's incredible. And you mentioned visually, like, I don't think there's enough words that I know that describe how beautiful this episode was from a visual standpoint. So, and I, what have we, what have people been saying? Like, I I would say one of the main criticisms of Marvel for the last five years is that it doesn't look good anymore. Well, they, this stuff looked really good, man. They they put a lot of effort into the show. Natalie Holt doesn't win a damn Emmy or something. I'm going to flip a tape. Yeah. The music is great too. Music was fantastic. And every single beat, I just absolutely, loved it so much and i was actually re-watching it before we started because it's it's it is and it's one of those shows i think that if you the more you watch it the more you will appreciate the little things and there's so many great moments and you know we texted about this was before we started but and and whatever happens with jonathan majors like the the legal stuff is the most important like that's he you know that is above and beyond that is the most disappointing like you you can't have that kind of it's just it's bad all the way across the board and it's a it's a, i don't want to say like it's a shit this is what i'm trying to like say beforehand like all of this is like none of it matters like if you if this were like if he needs to be taken out of that role he needs to be taken out of the role and i think that they left themselves a lot of options that's why that variety piece i'm like what who are you talking to because every single thing <laughs> that you put in that variety piece was nonsense because now they have a lot of it has been debunked. At this they have point. an absolute yes. out, I think, from the Kang thing. And we've heard a lot of discussions about the Kang stuff. And 
the the big not the biggest one of the frustrations that the very bottom of the list from all of the the allegations that have come out against against Jonathan Majors is he, he absolutely shown in this episode and it if really we kind of gave you that shot that moment of like so while i understand and if we need to never see him again in the role then we never see him again in the role um it was a perf- i'm not going to say that the performance wasn't fantastic because it absolutely was he's, especially as he who remains he's an incredibly talented guy and i I, th- I know a lot of people don't like the victor timely character that he plays in this show i i think understandably he's a weird little worm of a guy but I don't think the performance is flawed. I think that it is a very effectively weird character. And And I think now you can see the vision of what they were going to try to do with Kang. Not to say they're definitely not doing it, but there are lots of reports out there at this point that Marvel is going to pivot away from Kang, that, that either it will no longer be the focus of the, the next Avengers movie that we're going to get, or, um, that movie may not even happen. We may go straight to the was it one that was planned to follow it, which is Secret Wars. Um, yeah. And I think um, now I even, it's just, I wonder if Victor Timely was even that kind of, you know, like I think it now might have all been an act. Like for that he was, time. that it was a bit the whole time. Like I just, the, the scenes, and this is twice now in the finales, they have used the scenes between Loki and he who remains, I think, are some of the most powerful scenes that we've seen in the MCU. Especially out of the TV shows, I'm probably putting like some of the Wanda realization stuff up there with these two scenes, with those two scenes. But like, there's just something the banter, the what do you mean? Like, what? How do you know we haven't had this conversation before? Like, right. just the trying to the and he plays the. That's when you see that Kang is like actually scary or intimidating or all these things that you know was alleged and everyone you know said like oh well he got his butt kicked by ants like whatever um but it doesn't matter right right. like the whole point of the character and why kang is is scary is that it never matters if you beat him because as as he says in this show uh, he can always just go back and try some he's a guy playing a video game he can just restart whenever he wants and I think I think what's um, what's interesting about using him in this show and why I think it's still effective, even if they never use this character again, is that he's as as any good superhero story, the villain should be some kind of reflection or parallel of the hero, and I think that's what we have here with Loki, and and it's not immediately obvious that that's what they're doing until this finale. Yeah, that Kang sees himself as this guy who has isolated himself from everyone else Mm -hmm. so that he can hold the universe together somehow. Um, And of course he's doing that in an incredibly violent way. And Loki ends up doing the same thing, but because he has better intentions, Mm -hmm. um, he literally does hold everything together. It's so, Oh my God. It's very cool. It's a very cool way for them to wrap this up and, and just a good, it's just a good weird TV show. I, I think it, I don't really think you even have to know that much about the MCU to appreciate it. No, I don't think you do at all. I, it's got, and this is a well-timed, like you mentioned this at the top of the show, we're going to talk about the Marvels, but I think this is a well-timed uh, spot for them to have the 
finale success for this show as they did. Like, obviously, we need to figure out. There have been a lot of things that are moved. There's only one movie coming out next year, and that's Deadpool 3, which will have a lot of excitement because it's Deadpool and Wolverine we know is back and all of these things. There's already so many, like... The TikToks are starting about like when Taylor Swift brought uh, or went to the game with Ryan Reynolds and Blake and Hugh um, Hugh Jackman. That the uh, Sam Levy, I think, was the other guy that was with them. Was right. The that was a Dazzler that you told me is like. So there's going to be hype that like we think the Taylor Swift's going to be this week. There's going to be a lot of hype around Deadpool three, and that's the only movie coming out next year. And and I, I mean yes, we we should get into that with Corey, but like yeah. I, I do think I think that we are in a spot right now with Marvel where we've all been saying they need a break. Well, whether they wanted it or not, they've yeah. got a break coming up. Yeah. And they have a lot of time, way more than they than Disney would have liked them to have to yeah. figure this stuff out, rejigger it, uh, you know, reposition themselves and and make everything count going forward. I, I saw somebody I saw somebody talking about all of the things that have been set up since Endgame, and yeah, not a not, lot. Of, like, not a single one of them yeah. has been paid off. They they've done so yeah. much setting up. There's yeah. almost no way you could possibly pay it all off. And that some of these threads are going to get dropped because basically lack of planning. Yeah, and it's again like the someone pointed out, and I thought it was an interesting part too, where it's like a lot of the post credit scenes used to have almost immediate payoff. Because yes. there were several things happening at once, and so you'd and see- because they were they were connected to a project that was already in development, right? And so you know, like when they drop whatever her name, Doctor Strange's wife, I don't know, whatever her name was, um, uh, Shirley's Throne showed up at the end of the sure. movie. That one, we, so we may like, never see that. You know what? Fine, no, <laughs> not a thing against Charlize, who I adore. It's just that movie was the one. But there's yeah, there's yeah, but, you're right. There's that. There's the there's the ending of Shang Chi. There's the there's well, the- and I just saw. I told you this before we started, or I mentioned already too. The comedy fest. I just saw Brett Goldstein on Sunday night, which yes. if you get a chance to see him in stand up, please go do it. It was one of the funniest nights of my life. He is so funny, and he. I don't think he previously was doing any stand up. He's just a writer, not just a writer. Like it's condescending, but like he was previously only writing. Um, but he has the same, he's funny. So he, it was perfect. He was so funny. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's Hercules. We we do at least know that there is a, that there is another Thor movie on the way. It's just not going to be, uh, directed by Taika Waititi, but it's, it's coming. Do do we know who's directing it? We don't. It's just that Taika won't be attached to it. So. Um, I get people saying the second one was like too Taika, but I also really like Taika. So yeah, I I mean, just in general, too many, too many loose threads out there hanging that it will have been, somebody said currently with the current release date, it will have been seven years between when Mahershala Ali was announced on stage as playing Blade and when the actual movie comes out. That's crazy. It should not take that long. No, that was, that is one of the ones that like, blows my mind the most um like because it also he was announced like i don't know like I, we i think we talked about play before but like there's been a lot of things that have happened obviously because within the seven years has included a pandemic and 
Um, uh, understandable. Let's let's we'll let's subtract yeah. two years from. Yeah, that. So it's yeah, still so five years. <laughs> that's true. Um, and I wish I had no like actual. I have no idea how like the process of getting movies made, but that feels like a lot, guys. It's a lot. Um, it's a lot. That, especially uh, since we got him again post credit with Dane, whatever. Isn't that his name? Uh, yes. His name? I Game believe the character is named Dane Whitman, who is the Dane Black Knight. <laughs> um, like, we got the voice there, and everyone's like, oh my god, that was, that was Ali. And you're like, oh, so. We uh, literally haven't even seen him yet. Yeah. yeah. But, but, but no, I mean, I, I think the break is good, and we'll talk more uh, after, after a break right here of our own um, and, uh, about where we think the MCU is going next. But before we do that, we're going to get into... The, the current day, the newest Marvel release, The Marvels, uh, and we're going to be joined by our good friend Corey to do that right after this break. All right, we're back for part two, and as promised, we have a lovely guest today. I'm so excited to bring on one of our lovely writers. I said lovely twice. That's how lovely you are, Corey. <laughs> I know other words. Uh, Corey Woodruff is here. He's uh, does pop culture stuff for us, which is obviously why he's a good fit for this podcast. Also betting things and sports things across the board. Uh, he puts up with the Falcons. So, you know, he's a dedicated, <laughs> dedicated person, but he's a huge Marvel <laughs> hater. So we thought, why not bring him on board? Corey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. You're actually... Uh, we, we always do this if we invite someone on and, and make them talk about something. Cause usually we leave it up to the guests to bring something to our pop culture potluck. So in the future, you will be welcome back to talk about anything you want other than we owe you a potluck. Yes. No Spider-Man three. It is a potluck that will you get, you will get turned away at the door. If you bring that in my it's house. Fine, it's fine. <laughs> we can talk about the Marvel universe before it completely <laughs> fell apart. Uh, and so, the filmmakers, but yeah, that's, that's you know for another time. But we brought you on because one of the reasons is you have seen the Marvels, and so I have our topic today. What was your um... one of the few and proud, Corey? Right, <laughs> I did watch it. We will let you start. What was your how? Well, on a level, on a scale of one to ten, how excited were you for this release? And what were you? <laughs> I would probably say um, it would have been a two. If it had not been for the Beastie Boys needle drop in the trailer, but that made it a three. So I love that's a great song. Intergalactic is a wonderful (laughs) song. And if you ever use the Beastie Boys in a movie trailer, it's going to make my interest just go up a little bit. Like if I'm already like not excited, I'll be a little more. If I'm like super hype, I'll be like running through the wall. It just, it's a great idea. Like what if Napoleon dropped like. That's the that thing. They would uh, they would go for something off of Paul's boutique for that. That would be yeah. <laughs> uh, they go for one of the like the lesser Beastie Voice cuts on uh, the Napoleon trailer. But um, uh, no, I you we got to recut. We got to recut the Napoleon trailer with Brass yeah. Monkey under it. Exactly. <laughs> that that, or, uh, that actually sounds awesome. That or Paul Revere. That'd be like one of those two. Oh man! But okay. So what? We, now that we've sidetracked you, what did you think? I, here's my thing. I, yeah. I really like Nia DaCosta as a filmmaker. I thought the Candyman remake was a very impressive directorial work, even if I didn't think the script was fully there. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see her first feature she did with Tessa Thompson um, that Neon distributed a few years it's ago. Good. It's point. a good movie. Yeah, I've heard I it's good. It. It's kind yeah. of a noirish type thing. Um, you know, so 
that was one of those things where I was hopeful that, you know, she would be able to do something with this. Um, I thought that the first Captain Marvel film was very, very what it was. It was fine. You know, I didn't think it was amazing. I didn't think it was terrible. I just think it was very typical origin story you see in the film before, but you know, they had gotten so in their rhythm at that point where even like an uninspired origin story was still enjoyable. Right. Like again, and it's just, Obviously, the culture has shifted dramatically since that film came out. And I thought that, you know, again, when you were mixing in different characters from different television shows, that's where it was kind of like, okay, that's interesting. But, you know, we'll see how it goes. But, you know, I appreciated the way that um, DaCosta tried to elevate the material with the way that she frame some of the action. I thought that it moved a little smoother than some Marvel films have recently in terms of the pacing. So I give her credit for that. Um, I think there were some weird little flourishes like the cat escape scene, the singing planet. That's like, Oh, that's kind of fun, right? Like those two scenes are very divisive and I'm sure that we will get into this. I mean, there are, um, there are people Let's say the Marvel fan community has uh, elements who don't like certain things in Marvel movies for totally valid reasons. And then there are also people in the Marvel community who dislike certain things for really gross reasons. I'm sure, like, God forbid, one of these movies has, like, an inch of personality. Like, uh, you know, it's just just like... But, But those two scenes in particular, I think, seem to be a lot of people pointing to them as that's why I hate this movie is because which is stuff like that in it. Absolutely bonkers. Those were two of the scenes where it genuinely felt like a person had an idea and put it to work in a way that felt like something, again, there've been so much of these things over the years, but like (laughs) those are the types of moments that made the guardians movies stand out, right? Like you can yeah. have those types of moments are what you need. Okay. Like you, yeah. they have rung well dry on this giant thing. And again, I think the movie overall is not very good, right? Like I, I don't think it's a good movie. I, I do not. I, I think it's quite poor in certain aspects, but I think that there are little tinges of personality that show through that make it, more engaging than like a quantum mania, which I think is just a poor movie across the board or an Eternals, which I think is a noble failure, but a failure in another yeah. place, right? Like I only hope to be a noble failure. At the exactly. I, I admired the ambition that Chloe Zhao had for that. And obviously respect her immensely as a filmmaker, but you know, it was just a swing and a miss. So I think but, we're going to ask or push back or not push back. We're not fighting. But like one of the things that. Not um, yet. Let's were, go. Because Corey is actually like a film critic. Like he's done this for a while. Yeah. And that I do not have the same like critical eye when it comes to. I, I go much more into like, did I enjoy it? Was I? Oh, don't sell yourself short. Everybody has a critical eye. That <laughs> so is a, I actually have issues with it. And I, I would give it like a seven and a half out of 10. I enjoyed it. I thought that it was, it was a good self-contained movie. I thought that they went through, they breezed through some of the emotional beats a little too quick for me. It is a short runtime, mm-hmm. um, which I didn't dislike. It's, it's like an hour 46 or something like that, which it's, is it's, ni- it's 90 minutes, almost exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so you don't need, you don't need everything to be two and a half hours. Like you don't like, that's fine. Um, and so I didn't, but there were a few times like moments between Monica and Carol or when they're evacuating the planet with like the moment with like um, Kamala and Captain Marvel, like that I thought you could have fleshed those out a smidge more and like really, but I do think they did significantly better with giving Brie Larson more room to operate and show some of her ability and charis- like charismatic nature. Cause she, she came off very stiff to me in the first one. Like, yeah. I, I do want to, I, I want to get into that too, because yeah. I, re- I rewatched. So I took my kids to this movie who are 15 and 12. My, my 15 year old has seen a fair amount of Marvel movies, but my 12 year old has never watched any of them other than he may have seen the Spider-Man, the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. But so he, he wanted to watch the first one, mm-hmm. the first Captain Marvel before coming to see this. And I, so, so it gave me an interesting perspective going in, like thinking about him while we're watching these movies going, what would a person with no context, like would yeah. it, what would they come away with here? So first of all, the first Captain Marvel, I agree that I, I, I don't think they gave her a lot of room to work because she spent so much of the movie uh, literally, her, her personality yeah. has been removed from yes. her. Yeah. Also, the way that movie is structured is so weird um, because I and I, I wouldn't have remembered this, but like the flashbacks. they really throw you into the middle of a bunch of weird flashbacks, and you get no uh, really like, full explanation of what's going on until is that really, enough in a bomber jacket. <laughs> there's a lot going on that, that, I mean, man, I have a very smart 12 year old and he had to like a few times be like, so what's, what's going on here? This one, <laughs> he's coming into it, having not seen the two TV shows that fed yes. into this, which I think is probably true of many people that would have been potentially coming to this movie. Um, but but he enjoyed this one I think a lot more because yeah. I, and and a lot of it I think is the stuff that Corey's talking about like the there are more built set pieces in this movie mm-hmm. that are just there because it's fun to watch in a movie and the, where I think this movie struggles a little bit is as is as has been the case with a lot of recent Marvel movies the time that has to be spent doing heavy lifting of connecting this to other stuff. Like to me, to me, the, the part of this movie that I, that I didn't like is all of the Cree scroll stuff. And I, I understand that you have to have a plot for the characters to be doing, but I, I just, story, I but just don't care. Cool. I just don't yeah. care about that stuff. I, and I think it's, I think it's execution. I think that Marvel from the get go I, I I thought this rewatching the first Captain Marvel, like I just don't think they sold the whole Cree scroll thing very well. It feels very flat. It doesn't have the, I, I think they were going for like a, uh, you know, persecuted refugee story, which is an interesting way to take it. But I just don't think they sold us on those characters emotionally at all. Like I just don't care what's happening to these two strange alien races and I should care about it, but I, I cared way more about Carol and Kamala and, uh, and Monica. 
Well, we should talk about the star of the movie, which is it's Iman Vellani. For sure, Iman Vellani. I think. Please, Corey, tell me you at least thought she was fantastic. You know, I think the highest praise I can give her is that I hope someone gets her the heck out of these movies. Oh. And into <laughs> I do think she was very good, but I think she would be even better in like an actual movie. That's sorry. That was <laughs> Um, yeah, I give her something real to do. Uh, you know, I think TPA so is casting a young lead in a film. She'd be great for it. But um, she'd be great in she'd be great yeah. in like a teen comedy in like oh, yeah. a like a super bad type, like movie. a book smart. Oh, yeah. Give her like a Clueless or a like uh, like a book smart or something like yes. you know something really uh, you like know a mean yeah. girls. Yeah, exactly. She would be great for that. Um, she's fantastic, and she's the star of what made Ms. Marvel entertaining to me. I really yeah. thought all of the stuff that they did, I, I enjoyed the power switching. I, I don't care if that makes me a dork. I thought it was great. I loved the scene where they worked together and figured it out. Loved it. It's a but fun gimmick. Yeah. I thought that it was, it was a cool way to do it. And I thought and it's, I'm curious what your son thought with regards to, did he feel like there was enough intro of Monica? And cause I well, also love the thing where she's like, yeah, I got walking through a witch hex. Weird stuff, right? Like, I'm fine with that. Like, I don't think, I don't think he, I don't think that you're meant to care how the other characters got their powers that much. Right. That's, but that said, I do think that Monica got shortchanged in this show. I don't think they, I don't think they gave us nearly as much personal stuff for her, like reasons to care about who she is. And her that's character. where the extra 30 minutes that I and, would have liked. And it's a bummer too, because Tiana Paris is a really fun actor and the other stuff I've seen her in, uh, particularly I will, I will shout her out for, uh, they clone Tyrone that came out earlier this year. Phenomenal. Netflix. She's wow. so, she's so, so fun and weird so in that good. movie. Really, really um, good, and if Bill Street could talk too. Yes, um, yes. Barry Jenkins, uh, the last film he did. Yeah, and and she's kind actor. of. I would say she's kind of a straight man in this movie. She is. She is a very. They they don't give her much to do other than be the third person in the trio, which is a bummer. Now, they well, I think we should save the the conversation about post credits uh, till we get through the rest of the movie. Yeah, they sort of hint at a more complex situation for her to be in and a more interesting situation for her to be in Yeah, at the very end of the movie. But on, up until that point, they don't give her a ton to do. I think my girl's going to stop going through weird portal or like, <laughs> stop touching things in space. Or, you know I mean, like stop touching shimmering things. Um, I think that it was the, the stuff that really makes me angry about the discourse around this movie is whether or not, like, Corey, I think your take on it is completely, like, you don't have to like every movie. Like, not a single person is saying that. I, I'm just so tired of reading about MCU and how, like, these brands started losing it when they started catering to the women. And you're just kind of like, you know, and this is, it's stuff where, like, they, I can't, like, I'm seeing arguments about this film being woke. And I'm like, what? Like, literally what? Because there's maybe some stuff about, like, the weather carol well, is carol is potentially potentially uh queer coded in this movie there is oh, she meets valkyrie like i would say there's some heavy suggestion that they have a relationship i'm just like that's the stuff where i'm like it's not this is where like i mean there's a whole nother discussion but woke is completely lost lost the thread 
essentially it's just an it's just a fill-in word for there are women and and people of like Correct. all stories. Well, hypothetically, that mathematically makes no sense when you break down the audience that came to see this movie, um, which was more skewed towards a male viewership. I think I saw it was 65%. Yes. So it's like the MCU is losing viewers, but it's more probably casual women moviegoers that are just coming to the movies to watch something fun, um, as opposed to people who are kind of like the diehards who go show up for these things, which I still feel skews into a male audience. So. Like, I also wonder, do you think, Corey, that number would be different if this is one we haven't, like, we haven't talked about, or I don't see a lot of people addressing this outside of in responses to some of these bad faith arguments. They had zero promotion time on this. Yeah, movie. I mean, no interviews were done, no fun videos, no, you know, it didn't get the Barbie and the Oppenheimer treatment. And obviously, we no. talked a lot previously about Barbenheimer taking on its own grassroots thing that became what drove people to the theater. And so this idea that, like, but, and, and it's a shame, too, that what will get lost in this is that with Nia DaCosta, this is the biggest opening weekend for a black female director ever. Like, And I understand that it's failing, quote unquote, by Marvel standards. And it only made $110 million worldwide. Like, this is what I'm saying. Like, come on, folks. Like, what are we? But it's that discussion that's made. And I'm curious because we've been through the big names. Like, we had the Iron Mans and the Thors. Like, who did they think they were going to be rolling out next like i don't understand like that's also where i well, use where i'm like it's not like you like you you're not going to just only make iron man and thor and hulk movies for the end of time like what are we i think that the biggest thing about it is what connects to the zeitgeist right captain marvel made the money that it did um and again i feel this is just the way that it happened because it was a few months before Endgame, right yeah and then they, they sold it as something that yes. was important to see for yes. Endgame. Yeah. Because the MCU at that time, again, you look at 2018, right? You had yeah. Black Panther and Infinity War in the same year, right? There has never been a moment. That 2018, 2019, the MCU was the center of the cultural films. I guess. There was nothing nothing more important than those films. Yeah. Um, Post-COVID, you could argue, I mean, again, I think that the third Spider-Man film got close to that fever pitch because of the nostalgia factor, because right. it was the big, it's it's Spider-Man, right? It, it was it, also a lot of people's yeah. first movie back in. The exactly, season. right? Yeah. So absolutely, you had the compounding kind of cultural amount of word for back together. This is the first big event um, post-COVID. But I, I think that diminished returns right now, the MCU cannot get away with brand name alone anymore. Um, yeah. And I think that they have struggled with the, you know, they struggled building a legitimate narrative post Thanos that has really captured people's imaginations and made them interested in this. And I think that the quality is dipping. I, I don't think that they have brought the same, you know, level of, you know, and again, I think that all the films kind of outside of maybe a few outliers have basically the same aesthetic, the same, you know, level of perform. Again, there it's episodic, right? It's it's a serialized form of storytelling that mashes itself over and over, which is why it was such a big to do in the first place. I I have my definite issues with that as a, you know, meaningful long-term way of making films, but I think that they've just lost the plot on what they're trying to do, and I think that trying so hard to indict this specific film is improper 
because it is a symptom of a larger problem. Um, again, this is the same issue that Ant-Man had in February. It's the same it issue. It did feel like this was coming, right? Like, it, yes. it, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it just was going to run out of steam at some point. Yes. And had they not, I, I, we talked a little bit about this before you came on, had had we not had these strikes that have bumped mm-hmm. everything back a full mm-hmm. year next year, uh, it, this probably would have been a trend that continued on into Captain America 4, sure. into whatever was coming next, Thunderbolts, whatever. Um, that, that, and and so, so now they have this opportunity, right, to, if they, if they choose to, restructure what they're doing, rethink what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, first of all, is there, is there any way short of throwing literally everything out um, that, that they can sort of save this thing without a full pressing of the reset button in your opinion? And, and, and if so, what are the, what are the keys to doing that? I mean, I don't mean to sound crass with this, um, but do, let's go for this answer. <laughs> they will regurgitate. Okay. They will take what they've already done and just try to pay these people that have been doing these movies over and over again, X amount of dollars to do it again. So if right? you're saying if, if they re if they rebooted, it would just be to do the same thing again. Yes. Again, that's the reason they're going to bring these Fox characters back, but never outside of maybe Wolverine and Patrick Stewart and had no cultural cachet um, on the Fox side. Right. That's they. Everything that's old is new again. This is the paradox of IP and nostalgia. They will. That's the reason that the Spider-Man film did what it did. Right. Like, again, no one had any sort of. Positive feelings about the Andrew Garfield star, like Andrew Garfield. That is very funny and a good parallel because what's what's weird is that we are now in the post-credits scene of this movie, Mm -hmm. hyping up the return of the Fox X-Men characters. Not not a not a like launching of a new reboot Mm -hmm. version of of MCU X-Men. Like this, they're pretty much saying we're we're going to bring back. The Fox X Men. And do you think that's what they're saying, though? People didn't like those movies. Most of them are not liked. I think they're going to pick and choose. They're going to recast like most of it. But they they will. They they they, and look. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. That but that's bring back Hugh Jackman. You bring back Hugh Jackman in the short term. In the short term, that's what they're doing. I mean, they their big their big reveal in the post credits was a Kelsey Grammer. Character. It looked very bad. CGI version. They couldn't even get Kelsey Grammer in to put blue makeup on. That that did bother me. But but yes, like look, are they doing some twist on it, something different? Obviously they are because there is a there is a version of Captain Marvel uh that already knows those X-Men that we've never met before. So they're they're doing something different with it. But, But I think it's funny because Disney spent literally billions of dollars acquiring these this last big piece that they could finally do whatever they want with all the marvel characters and they don't really seem to know what to do with the x-men glenn powell is cyclops (laughs) (laughs) i mean so i do want to ask you that one more thing Corey, uh, in uh, regarding that part of this like 
if there's if there's to me looking forward, if there's any way out, if there's any way to make this thing feel exciting and fresh again, I would have thought exploring this whole huge catalog of interesting characters that honestly has in its in its history as a story a whole different angle to it than the than the Avengers idea, right? Of like the Avengers being like, oh, what if we had cops for the whole world? The the X-Men has a whole different, like thematically, narratively, there's it's talking about oppressed minorities and and um, you know, it's it's a whole different type of story. It, it, it makes me think about what you were saying about the cultural zeitgeist. Is that is there any is there any version of this where you think Marvel is able to sort of realign itself with what people actually care about again? Yes, but I don't know if they're willing to do it. Um, they have to, quite frankly, like they have to take risks. And again, this all started with a risk. People forget that. Sure. Iron Man was a gigantic risk. Yeah. Doing, doing the Avengers as yes, a thing was a it risk. Was. Yeah. It was a huge risk. And again, there is a reason that there has been such a insurmountable reward that changed the industry in the 2010s is because they took chances. Mm. The Guardians of the Galaxy films were chances. Yeah, um, you know, like... Ant-Man was a huge chance. It was. Again, you know, Black Panther was a huge risk, right? Yeah. Again, you're taking Chadwick Boseman, who was not a movie star at all, putting him, yeah. you know, and doing... It's just, there are so many risks that Marvel has had taken in different areas that really helped it because again, what the Barbenheimer phenomenon, people want something new. You can't keep giving them the same thing over and over and over again. And the biggest issue with. We want Big Mac. We don't want McDouble. Exactly. That's the thing. Like (laughs) make something unique. Don't make two of the thing you already made. That's the thing. Yes. It's just like audiences. I don't. (laughs) I'm such trash. My God. (laughs) <laughs> we want the McRib. <laughs> hey, it's a risk though. Uh, <laughs> oh God! No, I completely sidetracked Corey now. Yeah. No, no, it's got bones in it. Sorry. So, if you again, the superhero thing kind of is beginning to cycle out. I think in terms of interconnected storytelling, because audiences don't want to keep up with so much. It was a thing they were able to do one time. I genuinely don't think that it's going to come back, if only because the biggest Marvel films that have broken through the zeitgeist have been their own thing. The Spider-Man movie is not necessarily connected to anything else but other Spider-Man films, as much as it is playing into the grander MCU. Guardians of the Galaxy 3 closed a trilogy, right? They didn't try too much to force too much into that. Um, You know, I think that Wakanda Forever is its own story, and that's why that film, I think, you know, more divisive than the first, obviously, but... They have to, I think, not only tell contained stories that people can build anticipation for in a contained setting, but they have to be more in tune with delivering aesthetics that feel like they have care put into them. They need to bring filmmakers in that like Nia DaCosta, but actually give them a full you know, give them power to do what they need to do without having to play into being connected to a TV show, being connected to this, that. Again, it's the interconnectedness that's going to eat this thing alive. And it's why audiences don't want to keep up with it. And again, I know there's like, there's always the argument, well, this is for the fans, right? Film cannot work like that. 
as a medium, film is a communal experience, okay? Like if you want to just make something for a very specific audience, right? Then you're gonna be like my grandma who took me to go see the Pokemon <laughs> movie when I was in first grade, right? Or when they took me to see the Digimon movie and she got out in the middle of the movie and started walking around the theater because she just couldn't do it anymore. If that's the direction that Marvel is going to go into, then it will completely become fiscally untenable because you're going to lose common interest. And I think that's right. why a Spider-Man movie that is just connected to Spider-Man is much more interesting to people than a Marvel's film that has two characters from TV shows that people have not watched combining with a character who I don't think they've really given a great footing in Captain, like the Brie Larson's character. I don't think she's had enough to do yet to where that's a character people really care about and want to interact with. Um, but again, like I don't, this thing is too big to fail. Like there's always going to be like metaphorical buyouts that they're going to be able to get. You know, I don't think that the soup, again, the comparison that superhero movies are like Westerns is not apt. Uh, they're just, they're completely different genres. Superhero films are never going to necessarily go anywhere, but I do think that we are entering a level culturally where they're going to have to reimagine themselves and contain themselves, right? You're going to have to go back to the way things were in the 2000s where you are building trilogies. That's a strong one filmmaker, one vision, three movies, cast members that kind of grow and evolve in a contained setting. Um, and again, like they have the biggest catalog of recognizable characters in entertainment right now. They can absolutely do that, but they have to, I think, Again, like it's not good when they're taking television shows and telling you now that you don't need to watch this to get in with other things. People are just not going to watch it. Yeah, I think that is. I think that is sort of dooming them. To, I yeah. mean, like they're just they're. They, I I think it's a very complicated situation. Sure. I don't think anybody at Disney knows what the answer is to it yet. Probably not fully. Um, and and. Um, you know, we'll see. We'll see what they do. I, I would love to see. I'm, I'm a big X-Men guy. I would love to see the X-Men built up as its own thing without yeah. having to worry about other stuff. Um, Let the X-Men be the X-Men, right? Yeah. Like just do an X-Men trilogy and Them do maybe make like one or two spinoffs and that's it. Yeah. Taxes and groceries. <laughs> Do the do the, the X Men thing? I want to see the movie where the X Men play baseball together. I uh, want to see the one where they have to pick their new coverage for healthcare. That's the one. <laughs> well, listen, open enrollment uh, has started, and Professor X needs everyone to come in. And <laughs> we uh, we have look overall. I, I would say this movie was for just going back to the Marvels. This was better than I was expecting it to be. I, I had a I had a good time watching it. I, I don't think they fixed any of the fundamental issues that they have in the MCU right now uh, as a result of this movie. It, if anything, it has revealed that they're in some trouble. Uh, but I mean, I think if you're I think if you're a Caroline level MCU fan and there's plenty of those people out there, you will definitely enjoy the movie. It's it's just that it takes as as Corey is pointing out. It, it requires that you have done the homework for sure. I think. I don't think. I haven't showed up for class in a while. I am watching <laughs> TV shows. Like I've seen a little bit of what they did to the plots of these movies and TV shows with that Secret War nonsense. Well, Again, Wars like, is not the 
You mean se- secret invasion is what you're secret talking invasion, about. Secret invasion. Whatever yeah, yeah. the, yeah, secret brouhaha. That one was not good. They messed that one up completely. I, and I just, but, I don't know. It's just, you know. Vision was great. Loki is some of the best TV I've seen in a We while. did just talk about Loki. Loki, uh, weirdly, Corey does all of the stuff that you that you said yeah. that Marvel movies should be doing. I the first doing. season of Loki, but I can't bring myself to watch the second one. Sure, I it's just I don't know. I feel like it's just it's overload. It's excellent. It, it, it really like, it, it is it is shocking how how much better looking of a of a production it is than anything else that Marvel's doing because they it's built because their sets and stuff. It, it's yeah. just, they have unlimited resources. These movies. Have that's at the bare minimum, even if the stories don't make any sense. And you got Dar Ben or whatever the heck her name was flying around doing whatever. Um, oh, I think, terrible name. I, yeah, I guess but, my yeah, I think my spot now is where I will absolutely understand if people are overwhelmed with things and have that burnout, but I don't necessarily ascribe to everything. It Sorry if that has to get bleeped out, but you know, what I mean, like, I don't think that the quality is as like horrendous and ter- like all this stuff is as bad as some of the folks make it out to be that i, I think i that think that's I, very I, valid yeah i, think I understand why people don't yeah. want to and that's where i think this break quote unquote or whatever they really need to like sit down figure out what they're gonna do take advantage of this forced time off essentially they have one of the most marketable movies as the only one coming out next year the biggest problem they'll probably have with that is it's rated r but like it's Rated R movies that, can make money. Oh yeah, I know they can. But like, bought tickets to the other movie. That's that's yeah. how, that's how South Park didn't make any money in '99 is because everybody bought tickets for Wild Wild yeah. West and then they snuck in. Like, and it's all the South Park I mean, I had that single. Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer yeah. just made just I'm made a billion dollars. Yeah. I'm not saying it can't, but it's definitely not the take your 12 year old to type thing. Like it's yeah. not. You know, I mean, like, but Unless I think that it's important that they figure out what the hell they're doing and they use this time to actually. I'm encouraged by the way Loki ended. I'm encouraged by as much as I don't know as much about X-Men, whatever I'm encouraged by the post credit that they seem to have. And I, I agree. There's a lot of dangling participles when it comes to all these post credit scenes floating around. So figure it out, figure out what you want to do. Stop announcing things 10 years into the future and don't make as much like, don't rush to put out the stuff. Like they were trying to take advantage. Like the timelines are, I have been absurd and I think a big part of the problem. Yeah. So I get, I get like, that's like I said, I get that there's an overload and I think they need to take this time to like pump the brakes, figure it out and, and come back out with, with good stuff, with stuff that people will enjoy and hopefully enjoy. Or or they could just cancel it. That's my, (laughs) you can just go with it. Let's just stop. Put all that money in mid-budget adult dramas. Oh, Corey. Oh, Corey. Maybe. Maybe. Let's How did they get all these actors doing that stuff? Let's, let's go back to 1970. Why not? Why not? As we, learned, as we learned from Barbie, what fans want to see are doll movies. That's <laughs> Just make, make toy a movie. Yeah, just uh, G.I. Joe. Bring lesson. it back again. <laughs> Corey, our, our, we always like to wrap up our show with a trivia segment. And okay. we're, of course, going to do Marvel trivia this week. Oh, and man. I understand how, how unfair this sounds. So I've I've gone to the deliberate effort of making Caroline's questions more difficult than yours. That's why uh, I'm, I'm not – I'm not, I, I assume that you've seen most of these movies. I've seen all of them. I mean, there we go. 
<laughs> so you should be fine. Some, some crap, man. You should be fine. Yeah. But we're 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 gonna we're gonna dive in and the well, way before I'm that, one more thing I want to say about Marvel. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. So the villain's name is what Darbin, right? Is if it? You flip that. It's Bindar. So you could argue that these movies have been Dar and done that, right? Like oh my the, god! Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's all it's all coded. They're admitting to you that they've run out of ideas. That's the uh, oh my god! Oh my god. That's, a, that's, a, that's some big film critic stuff, right there. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so so listen, if you if you don't have any more puns, we'll uh, we'll go ahead and start our our trivia segment. But before we do that, uh, I of course have have put together a little jingle for our uh, for our contest. Chandler, can you play that? Cause you're Nick Fury And I'm Iron Man If you're trying to form a team I'd be into that plan Assembling for something Called the MCU Sometimes Cap and I fight But now I'm ready to learn the superpower of love. <laughs> okay, so the way I've built this is uh, we're going to do one question from each phase of the first three phases of the MCU. Mm. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll spare you guys answering questions about phase four and five. Uh, okay. Corey, the answers you- for those and the questions are not trivia based. <laughs> we're more like... What are we doing here? Why is this a thing? How did this go wrong? Yeah, stuff like that. How did I get here, Corey? Exactly. You go. You go first here. Your phase one question is: In what phase one film do we encounter Stanley's Pizza Parlor? Who's this for? This is for you, Corey. Oh, this is for me. Yes. Um, Stanley's Pizza Parlor. That's right. Is that? No, he does the beer in Incredible Hulk. Um, Iron Man 2? No, it actually was Incredible Hulk. You had it. No. Well, that's one that's the one where he drinks the beer and falls over, but there's a pizza parlor named after him. There is a there is a pizza parlor. Now uh, that I was like, I don't recognize that. It must be from the Incredible Hulk because I've that one. Like, pizza sorry. plays a significant role in the Incredible Hulk movie. That's a, uh, that's an okay movie. I like that one. I, I, I think it's underrated. Oh, of course, Corey. It's got Edward Norton. Edward Norton's never been in a bad movie. The Hulk. The Hulk breaks a police car in half and wears it as boxing gloves. Okay, I that's all. That. That's all you need to know about that movie. That is where it is established that Thunderbolt Ross is the actual criminal of the entire MCU. That man is a war criminal. That's not as good as the Ang Lee film. That's the best Hulk thing that's ever been done. <laughs> phenomenal, phenomenal tragedy. Corey, Love that movie. Corey and I are like what a weird movie. Opposite. Uh, and okay. I literally okay. left in that movie to take my sister back to work. So we didn't realize it was so long. She went on her break. I, I can promise you, Caroline. I, I know why Caroline doesn't like that movie, and it's because it, it involves a dog. Uh, something okay. bad happening to a dog. Caroline, your phase one question is: What fast food restaurant 
does Tony stop at on his way to the press conference after getting home from his imprisonment? Um, he wants a Big Mac. He goes to McDonald's. I'm sorry. He goes to Burger okay, King. Damn it. That was due to a corporate tie-in agreement with Marvel Studios. Oh, gosh, darn it. What does he say? He just wants a burger? Or does he say he wants a cheese? Says he wants a cheeseburger. He does not say Whopper, but he does go to Burger King. Uh, it's very specific. I'd have to be remembering the bag he was eating out of when he showed up. It's very a- pro. It's very prominent. Um, Corey, <laughs> Phase Two, a famous children's book and television character was allowed to appear in Ant Man on the condition that he does not do anything evil and quote remains neutral. Name that character. <laughs> Thomas the Tank Engine. It is Thomas the Tank Engine. Nice. Fantastic. Great scene. <laughs> the creators of Thomas the Tank Engine were extremely particular about allowing what? him. Oh, I'm him. sorry. They wanted him to remain neutral, not yes, on the That's what they said. They did, not, they did not want him to do anything that would either help or hurt the, the hero. Uh, Th- Thomas. Take. Thomas. Apparently, Thomas. Just wants to make sure the trains are running on time. So he's like one of like the first two people in the story of the Good Samaritan. He just kind of like walks by and he's like, I can't help. I can't hurt. I'm just going to keep rolling down the track. This is not my problem. Exactly. Uh, he was Swiss. <laughs> All right. Caroline, Chris Evans appears in three films in phase two. Name them. Phase two. This is like now I have to... <sighs> So Civil War is in phase two. Okay, hold on. Let me do the math. It is. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, until you have your three, I'm not going to comment. I know the answer to this. I don't even Um, like these movies. Do I get to steal it if she doesn't get it? Yeah. Only if she gives up. Okay. Um, Or gets it wrong. I was like, it's not the only way you can do it. I, I, okay, this these is rules awesome. are well established and I'm not making them up as I go. I wish I could see my box set enough to like, I always get confused where the line between two and three is, but I think it's um, Winter Soldier, Civil War, and Homecoming. That is incorrect. Corey, would you like to steal? I would. I would. It's Thor the Dark World, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and uh, Avengers uh, Age of Ultron. Oh, Age of Ultron. He got it. He got it. The dark, the dark world is the is the tough one there in the in cameo the because I Loki turns into Captain America. I like okay. that one too. I like the ones that are older. I, to, I love that Corey likes the dark world. Amazing. I do. Tom Hiddleston's great in that movie. Oh my good. God. Also, this is so bad for me. This is embarrassing. Corey is up two to nothing going into <laughs> Caroline. It's not looking good for you right now. Um, okay, Corey. Hated questions. Yeah. To seal the deal for your win. In Infinity War, what cartoon character does Tony Stark call the Thanos henchman Ebony Maw? Oh, Squidward. Easy. Squidward! These are so easy! <laughs> no, no, it took one of yours. So it's kind of like when he takes no, the Infinity Stone from somebody. Like, the pulls it right out of Corey, vision, Corey yeah. has won. I'm going to give Caroline her last question. I, I, I can't steal the easy ones when he gets them all right, man. I, I, sh- I meant to bring it in here so I could show you guys on camera, but I, I went on a Disney cruise with my family earlier this year, and uh, I actually won... I won the ship-wide Marvel trivia contest. It was one of the great triumphs of my life. 
Uh, they gave they me make a, you like sleep alone in like the captain's quarters that they night, kind of like detox you. There's like, they, yeah, gave, okay, they gave me a plastic medallion as a reward, uh, and, and I was hailed by my family. It was great. Um, <laughs> Caroline, in Doctor Strange, what is the Wi-Fi password in Kamartage? <sighs> Sam Raimi. <laughs> <laughs> Oh crap! I don't remember. I'm just dis- disappointed in myself now. I made it really hard I, on purpose. I was trying to wait this. I, you've watched these movies more than anyone I know. I know, and it's something that's like it goes with the whole line where he's like, "No, that's the Wi-Fi password. We're not savages." It's, I will say it's both his mantra and his Wi-Fi password. Um, <laughs> it's not. No, I I forget. I can't. I'm just. Corey, do you know what it is? Uh, I think it's uh, Scott Derrickson left for creative reasons. Oh, a, it's long. I just tempted for you. Yeah, it's a hint. Nah, it, is, no it is Shambhala. But thank you for shouting out Scott Derrickson. Uh, I, I, I would, you know what? Scott follows me on Twitter for some reason, and I should get Scott on the podcast at some point. I should really try to do that. Good stuff. This movie I really, like, really liked Black, Black Phone. Phone. I liked it, yeah. We should we should do that, Caroline. Remind me later. <laughs> I'm, too, I'm too mad at you right now. She's so mad. <laughs> uh, Corey, think... congratulations for winning for winning the MCU Thank trivia you. contest. Yeah. Does over. that mean Caroline has to watch a Scorsese film now? Like uninterrupted? <laughs> you just gotta go. You gotta you gotta put like the aviator on, most, and you can't turn most, it off. We have to we have to pick the most boring Scorsese movie for Caroline to watch. We have she'll have to watch. What is it? The Age of Innocence? Is that what it's yeah, called? Yeah, no, no, no. She's got to watch like his like three part like history of cinema where he's just like talking through the stuff. I'd love to watch that, but yeah, that'd be like the like that have was- her, like have have him go to like the French New Wave. When I was when I was yeah. a boy, I watched uh, on television. I, I I watched a lot of old Italian films in black and white. Yeah, she can just watch Shark Tale. It's fine. He's in that. Painless. This is both insulting and boring. So. Lori, thank you for coming on with your brutal your brutal honesty about the MCU. Happy to be. Um, we will we will um, definitely have you back on where you get to torture Caroline with a okay. with a film of your choice, or or you don't have to talk about a movie. You could talk about whatever you want. But uh, where can where can folks find you uh, on social media? And I, obviously, they can find your work at For the Win. Yeah. yeah. Where else can they find you? Um, so you can find me on Twitter at Corey Woodruff 47 is my ad name. You can see my negative review for the Marvels and lots of other reviews <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I, I feel bad every time I write something negative about the MCU and like put it somewhere and tag for the wig. I'm like a little bit of Caroline's soul just like flutters into the ether. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't, I really don't hate these movies. I just, I, I want more from them, right? Like, I just, I want them to go back to, like, the the original Spider-Man trilogy that Sam Raimi did. They can do that. Or the, the worst, old worst stuff? Yeah, sounds great. Ugh. Corey and I differ so aggressively. Do you notice <laughs> how all of his favorite ones are the ones that I cannot stand? You don't even like one or two? One is fine. Two is wow. Than you don't get No Way Home without the Sam Raimi movies. I understand that. that. I understand that. But three did not have to exist. So yeah. there's that. And like the Incredible Hulk and Thor 2, 
And I'm a I, I've always I've always been a sneaky dark world defender. I actually have it on Blu-ray because I love Hemsworth and I think he's funnier than people gave him credit for or even early on. I've always thought he was like very charismatic, but so I, I don't can't say anything else about the MCU because Caroline's one of my bosses. So <laughs> I have a like I gotta be careful. I say like one more thing. I'm gonna end up like working when on like yeah, a, when I lost, four in the morning. We thank you. We thank you for risking your career by coming yeah, when on you this show. That question from me. I like emailed the people to be like, hey, let's cancel this. Good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She's mostly gonna be mad. At, she's mostly gonna be mad at me about it, Corey. So no, Corey's fine. the best. I, we joke and we disagree. I mean, but that's a that's the beauty of art, isn't it? It is. That's right. It's subjective. I, yes, you can enjoy things you like and. You don't have to like everything, so that's Amen nice. That. Well, hopefully, you, hopefully you like our podcast, and if you do, I do. I please do. please go to please go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and give us a rating. I'm not talking specifically to Corey, just if you're please listening do, to Corey. the show. Uh, your, but yeah, you you should do it too. Yeah, I really love that Corey guy. He was fantastic. <laughs> uh, and tell your friends about the show. We would appreciate that as well. Uh, Corey, thank you. Uh, Everybody else who's listening, we will see you guys again next week here on For the Water Cooler.